Jesus, it's packed. Yeah, go down the back there, so. Welcome to the Snog with Richie and Lavin. Hello, 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 and uh, welcome to a new podcast from the west coast of Ireland. This is the Snog. My name is Richard Loftus. And I'm Lavin. And uh, this is just a new podcast that kind of talks to people from all different walks of life about their their passions, their side hustles, you know, the things that really interest them. Um, that's kind of formalities out of the way. Any crack? How are you? How are you doing? I'm uh, fine. I'm yeah. On. Yeah. You're good. You can answer your own questions. Yeah. Then, you? <laughs> I'm always. No, that's always the way. How was your weekend? <laughs> My weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, it culminated yesterday in staying up till four a.m. playing banjo in a shed. That's Which was great. Yeah, the life of a musician. And then um, I'm going to a John Prine tribute show tonight in Canberra. Ah, yes. Um, John Prine being one of the great American songwriters who passed, I think, about a year or two ago. He lived in Canberra, didn't he? He had a, he had a place, he had a house there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's, you know, like a bunch of locals doing a tribute show to him. So um, there's a still big kind of connection to him out there? there oh, absolutely, yeah. I'm going to be doing a mural on the side of a house of john a big john prine mural right oh in the is village. that the mural you're doing then is of john prine yeah it's right in the village so that's not going to be till next year though okay but yeah so it's he's, he's you know he pervades the the whole place you know yeah there's a lot of kind of uh different musicians that have kind of come and go convert over the years absolutely it? and you know funnily enough a lot of them are coming back yeah so it's great it's great to see the kind of the the musical scene that convert used to have probably about 10 years ago it's starting to kind of trickle back again now yeah, which is yeah. lovely it's good that the kind of hippie side of go or convair is kind of coming back exactly back. yeah what yeah. you want that's what you want you know well because like, you had van morrison there for a while as well and elvis that costello van morrison lived no in, they <laughs> he just visited one they weekend vi- they both visited winkles at separate times <laughs> and there's stories about both of them that i get mixed up which one was you know the one doing the thing yeah yeah but uh I don't think they lived there. Okay. One time, uh, uh, the Radiohead walked into Green's. Oh, right. Green's Pub. Jesus. Uh, Vinnie Kelly told me that story. Yeah. Well, Vinnie that I was talking about earlier. Yeah, Vinnie, yeah, yeah. Mm. He's, um, Maybe he just imagined that thought. You know? Well, he told me one time, he was like, one time, two men came into Green's wearing anoraks. And, and they, they took off their, they took off their uh, anorak and, and one was John Prine. And and they sat down in the corner and they started playing tunes. And do you know who the other one was? I said, I don't know. Chris Christopherson. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Because you get a lot of that kind of Americana lads that kind of landed over. Uh, uh, yeah, like there was the Chad Doogie and stuff. And stuff. He yeah. was a great like guitar player, like a um, kind of like a finger picking guy. He was there for a while. Frank Hall is still there. He's I think he's an, an originally American. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you have like a bunch of expats kind of. Playing, playing Irish music and playing whatever it is, traditional stuff there. But it's it's nice to see. It's nice to see it kind of resurging again. Yeah. You know? Today, we have our another patron coming into the show. Um, uh, what's called a theatre maker from here in Galway. Her name is uh, e- Emer Finnan. Finan. 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 Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <Emer Finan. laughs> With all the research you do. Oh, I know, yeah. What's called? How are you, Emer? How are you? I'm good. Welcome I'm good. to the show. Thank you. I was actually just really enjoying listening to you guys and I forgot I was going to have to speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks very much for joining us. Um, any crack? How was your weekend? Um, very low key. 
uh, lots of sitting around with my kids. Um, my daughter was sick over the weekend, so oh, no. nothing very exciting. She's three, um, but she's also very cute, so it is all very sweet. You were originally from Galway, are you? Yes, born, bred and dragged. Um, well, a couple of generations on my dad's side, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, so my um, grandparents opened Kenny's Bookshop about 85 years ago. Oh, no way. Oh, yeah. wow. So um, my dad is Des Kenny, who uh, still works there. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly steeped in the roots of Galway. You're Galway royalty yeah. now. Kenny, uh, Jim McKee just had an exhibition there, yes. I think. Uh, was it Saturday? Possibly. Yeah, I think it, that was the opening. Yeah, yeah. they would always do a launch. I used to work um, for, I used to do like launches of exhibitions and stuff when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my job was to walk around with a tray of wine glasses and yeah. try not to <laughs> spill them over all the important people yeah, yeah. um so yeah I, I grew up doing that um and like work, we all worked in the bookshop from really young as well but like you got you had to start really low down in like the pecking order of jobs so like you'd start with like maybe hoovering or dusting the banisters and cleaning the toilets and yeah. eventually granny would let you dust a book so it took quite a while to get to the point where you were allowed to touch a book yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and there was a very specific way of dusting a book um, and eventually you worked your way up until you could like possibly try and sell a book or work a till or work a room or anything like that. And the bookshop <laughs> itself, where was that originally? I forget. So uh, do you know where Port West is on High Street mm. beside Freeney's Pub? It, that's where okay. it was when I was growing up. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, and it, it reached all the way back to Middle Street. So um, the art gallery was on one side and the bookshop was on the other. Oh, uh, yeah. But you could walk through. So I, I think you can still walk through Port West if I'm... If I'm thinking right, I think you can. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it, I don't it stretches remember. back. I'm not sure if you can go out well, the other the, side. Yeah, though. you used to be able to go out the, the other door. Um, and when my sister was about 16, she got a job in Charlie Burns, okay. but she Whoa. didn't tell my uncles. Oh, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if it was Vinnie or Charlie, but one of them thought it would be hilarious on her first day to ask her to wash the windows, so that my <laughs> uncle was at work looking out the window and he rang my dad and he was like. <laughs> Why is Ashley washing Charlie's windows? Oh, that's wonderful. So, yeah. So that was my upbringing, I guess. So kind of steeped in the arts very heavily from a young age. And then you went to primary school, obviously, in Galway. Yeah. Is that kind of where theatre came into your life? um, Yes. Well, I don't know if it was school or my family. I was very like uh, when I was six, I had a birthday party. And little Johnny was the clown that my dad yeah, hired. Yeah. So, um, like from a young age, I was really heavily introduced to like theater, or not even theater, kind but theatrics just or the theatrics. Yeah, like um, my dad invited Roald Dahl over to the children's festival um, when I was about eight, so it was about nineteen ninety, I think. And he had dinner in my house and stuff. So, like wow. when you're kind of when that's exposed to you in yeah, such a, like in such a na- natural fashion it seems almost natural to then keep going in of that course, direction yeah, if you get yeah, me yeah. um so when i was about around the same time i think i was about eight um the galway arts festival used to have a children's festival section um and it was part like uh it's hard to describe because I, I was so young i can't remember what they called everything but like um high street used to have be slabs big slabs of cobbles like quite flat ones yeah um and every kid was given one stone and one box of chalk and they all got to draw a picture each so the whole oh, cool. street was like oh that's them. lovely yeah and this um, is in the say it would probably be in the 90s would it have been yeah so i think it was about 1990 and at the same year my dad set up a competition called the siobhan mckenna memorial trophy 
that is a mouthful. <laughs> um, and the rules were you had to be under 16. You could not get any adult help at all. And you had to write, direct, produce, star in and perform like the whole shebang of your own yeah. play. Oh, wow. Um, and like loads of people like entered in the first year. I think it was the first year that we were there. And myself and my brother and my sister and some of the neighbours um, wrote a play called The School's Gone Crazy. Okay. Um, which was highly inappropriate. But when you're looking at it from an eight year old's eyes who wrote it, yeah. you don't realise it's inappropriate. Yeah. Um, so the storyline involved the cool kids being in love with the headmistress, headmaster, <laughs> who was in love with the teacher, who was in love with the nerdy kids. This is where the inappropriateness wow. comes. <laughs> wow. And the nerdy kids were in love with the cool kids. And it was just yeah. a circle of... Oh, I remember this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Circle of misadventure. And like there was one scene where my brother played the headmaster and he was sitting at his desk, which was really just the coffee table we stole from my parents' house. And he was reading an encyclopedia, but inside the encyclopedia he had a copy of Asterix. And the cool kid came in and he was like, I didn't ask you to come in. And she sweeps the table of all the stuff that's on it. And she slides herself across in front of him. Jeez. And then like he dropped the encyclopedia to show that he was reading Asterix and like all this weird. <laughs> <laughs> so inappropriate. Yeah. But when you're when you are the kid writing it, you just think it's funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so did the audience, luckily. Um, and at the awards like giving moment, because it was a competition, um, the one of the judges stood up and he was an actor himself, Tom something, and I don't know who he was. Selleck. Um, can you imagine? Um, mind you, I wouldn't put it past my dad. But um, <laughs> so he said, you know, uh, I was looking at the cast and I saw a surname, and this person is connected to the person who created this competition, and mm -hmm. should I hold this against them? And um, the crowd was like, no. Okay. Uh, so then he said, so best actor is, and my brother stood up and then he called out my name. <laughs> and I went up and I got an award. I was the youngest person in the competition. So, so I was hooked. I was yeah, eight and yeah, I was hooked. Yeah. Um, Number uh, 11. Yeah, yeah. And I can't believe I'm going to admit this on um, a podcast, but in my bio, it says I'm an award winning actress. Yeah. I'm referring to that. Award. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> So oh, I looked for fantastic. that award, all right. I mean, it's still an award, right? <laughs> Why not? Why not? Um, so, uh, yeah, so we won um, Best Play. So there was three categories or something. There was like Best Play overall because there was an English and Irish versions. Mm -hmm. And then there was Best English Play and then there was Best Actor. So we won Best Play overall, Best English Play and Best Actor. And oh, we just like, I've been hooked since. I've just yeah. gone from there to. So it wasn't necessarily school that introduced me to it, although that kept it going. Um, it was more my father's encouragement, probably, yeah. um, and my mom's, except she had to put up, up with us all fighting um, all the time when we were creating that piece of beautiful theater. Yeah, yeah. Because um, she was in the kitchen trying to get things ready and get dinners cooked and stuff. And we were in her our unrenovated garage. We had just moved in and it wasn't renovated and it was just like a cement floor, just killing each other and pulling each other's hairs out. Yeah. And that's not funny. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's kind of where it started, I yeah. guess. I was about to ask you, Wesker, what was your first experience of theatre? But like, obviously, that was that, it. That was it. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and my mom said as well that all the other kids had um, arrived with like a really, really good change of clothes for the possible winning of an award. Oh. And um, they had all come out in their Sunday best. And I obviously had taken control of my own <laughs> outfit. Um, and apparently I had painted my runners myself. 
I don't know what width and I was in jean shorts and like a really tight t-shirt that was unnecessarily tight for an eight-year-old um but yeah I was that's what I was I was going up in my hot pants and my self-painted runners <laughs> oh that's great <laughs> Uh, yeah so my and my parents because my dad kind of set out the rules or had been part of it at least they were very adamant that they would not help us oh okay good. so even when we were fighting they just closed the door yeah they're like you have to figure it out that's the whole point and i think it lent itself to the play because nobody told us it was inappropriate which made it really funny yeah yeah do you know whereas yeah. if an adult had come in and gone yeah i don't think you should do that, that is then humor still like a big part of kind of your your process Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Um, I don't think theatre is worth it unless it's funny. Brilliant. It's a very brave statement, probably. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Um, it's part and parcel of life. Even the saddest moments have a bit of humour yeah, in them, really, don't they? Like? 100%. And I also think, like, you know, when you're creating something, you're all, you're thinking of the, the truth of it and the naturalness of it and all that. But also sometimes, you know, it's great to bring an audience through the catharsis of laughing and then crying. Yeah. Um, and you'll very rarely get them to that second step unless you've done the first one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I feel anyway. Yeah. And I always, as an audience member, I always cry the hardest if I've laughed a lot. Okay. Um, I think you're already there yeah. emotionally. You just have to switch the gear. Yeah. That makes sense. Because you kind of have that, maybe that connection with that character. Yeah. Or that, you know and sometimes a good cry is as good as a good laugh and vice versa and i think they're just two sides of one coin and once you're open to one yeah you'll go for the other so say that that was what we say you were in primary school then and then galway's always been a good town for like theater and stuff like that so yeah. was there like other things that you were interested in, in secondary school and stuff like that kind of yeah spurred it i on? made a massive mistake when i was about 15 or 16 I, I did um former arts school all the way through my early teens and uh one of my drama teachers actually in former arts was jimmy fay who ran bedrock theater company in dublin for years after that and he's now um i think he's the executive director of the lyric in belfast <coughs> uh, he was a huge inspiration for me and i only had him for like one term yeah, yeah. you know when you remember people oh yeah uh so he was usually important and then when i was about 16 i was uh repeated fifth year and i changed schools and I did the school play. Yeah. Uh, which I loved. Um, but it was a musical and I'm not a great singer. So they kind of invented a part for me, which was very kind of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, after that, I was also a massive nerd academically. Yeah. And I really enjoy academics. But I decided I needed to stop any, all sorts of extracurricular. Curricular, extracurricular. Mm, that word. Work. Um, which included all my theatre stuff. To get a decent leaving cert. Oh, okay. right. Uh, so I did, so and then I took quite long. You did yeah. the opposite of what I did. And I, but I also <laughs> think it was a massive mistake because I didn't get a stellar leaving cert anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't think it helped me. Like I possibly just swapped out theatre stuff for drinking and going to the pub, which oh, yeah. wasn't helpful either. Um, I did a fine leaving cert. It was fine. Um, by most people's standards, it's probably quite good, except that my older sister is a doctor of mathematics so by uh, yeah. that standard no oh right um and my brother's insanely smart and so is my older sister actually i had three older <laughs> siblings that just annihilated me before i came along yeah. um but it took me a very very long time to get back into it and it wasn't until my master's yeah actually. so i did a degree and everything where i didn't go near the stage yeah because even looking through 
um your background and stuff so was it even when you were doing your undergrad did you do like um theater society or anything like that no i um i think i kind of flirted with this a little bit um i was very intimidated by the drama society in general i found them to be very intimidating actually (laughs) Um, I always the theatre side of me was always my thing that I did alone and then I had my friends uh, who were engineers and accountants and in IT and and yeah. teachers and studied those kind of subjects so any endeavour I had to go into theatre I did alone um, and I found Drama Sock um, not very approachable as a s- solo person Okay. I think if you had like a few mates and you're like let's go rock on down to this and yeah, see how we yeah. do you'd have been fine definitely my confidence wasn't there to go in especially because i'd taken such a big break yeah um yeah. now i did do some stuff i did something with the comic book society okay. i played death in a play version of a neil gaiman um, oh, Sandman. 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 um which i very much enjoyed because the costume was class <laughs> but also because i made my own costume oh yeah um my dad went to see that and afterwards he said shit play really shit <laughs> <laughs> And then he was like, you were great. Which yeah. what was, was it based shit. off of? Was it based off of one particular? I think it was whatever the first one is. Oh, the first one? Remember. Okay. And I've read them and I can't. Nocturnes or something? Maybe. Pre- um, Preludes and Nocturnes, I think. But I, to be fair to the Comic Book Society, they are not drama stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they were just doing something that was sort of in in ode to someone. Yeah, I think. yeah. Uh, so it was fun, but terrible. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I, just, I, I just realized I've cursed is that all right? That's completely oh, I'm fine. Fucking, <laughs> I'm continuously cursing. Yeah. You know? okay. You're actually Don't being worry. really well behaved. I am today. being well behaved yeah, today. Yeah. Okay. It's probably because right. I was up till 4 a.m. last night. Maybe mm. you got it all out of you. Did you ever do like theater stuff, Richie? I was uh, the lead in my school play in second. You were school. you were the lead in your school yeah. play? Yeah. What so play you're familiar with this stuff. Oh, God. Um, God bless Archie Dean, it was called. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was like the devil in it and stuff. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, my sister was kind of into um, amateur dramatics and stuff like okay. that in secondary school. That would be kind of my first memory would have been going to see like plays in the bell table yeah. in Limerick. Yeah. I think um, I think it was The Cripple of Inish Man. Yeah. Great uh, start. Yeah. yeah. And I was very young at that stage. Um, yeah. And then her friend Gary now, he would have been in a lot of um, like pantomimes and stuff mm. like that out in uh, UL and stuff. So kind of that was kind of my first Great introduction. Intro, yeah, yeah, Jesus, it was, and that uh, that actually that night always had a um, resonance with me later on in life. Like you know, you could always kind of go back. Mm-hmm. That's great actual um, theater. Yeah, it's yeah. gorgeous right there in the middle of Limerick and yeah, everything yeah. like that. Like, um, but it's taken over by someone else now. I think it's like okay. a di- different theater group mm. or something. I don't think it's even called the Bell Table anymore. Oh, I think so. Is it? Or I thought someone said it was the Lime Leaf or something. Or is that a? I don't know. Oh. I, I know nothing. Well, I just know somebody went to do a show there recently that I know and she said it was the bell table. Okay. So good. unless though that's her familiar way of yeah, referring yeah. to it. Yeah. Um you've just actually reminded me as well, and I'd be loath to miss it in my in in my telling of where this all came from. Um in fi- my first time doing fifth year before I switched schools, uh-huh. I was in Salerno and I had an English teacher called Miss Flannery and she also put on plays also massive influence on me so she did steel magnolias in the town hall oh cool yeah that was very cool yeah and i played truvy who's originally played by dolly parton which is also something that i loved (laughs) Um, well i shouldn't say originally she is in the movie yeah um but she also did this really really cool thing 
uh, for us where she did this play that was 12 female monologues, but she cast the teachers and she gave each student that was involved in theatre with her one teacher and one monologue to direct. And the teacher had to refer to us as, so my maiden name is Kenny, so she had to refer to me as Miss Kenny and I could call her by her first name. And she just totally, yeah. yeah. And it was great. And um, like, it was just a great experience as a young person, not just with the, I mean, it's also almost a power flip, but like just with the responsibility of that and that you're putting somebody up there to be vulnerable and they're trusting you to do that. Yeah. And when it's a student teacher thing, that's a that's a, a trust to be earned and it's hard to do. Yeah. Um, but it was one of my all time most favorite experiences. I cannot remember the name of the play. Um, it's okay <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm kicking myself uh, but that was uh, Marie Flannery that um, kind of um, she was the director of Steel Magnolias and then she directed this project as a whole but it was amazing it was just an amazing experience again I was only uh, 15 when I did that yeah well, it's, it's great when you have like um, a teacher that actually kind of challenges you yeah. at that age that kind of you know elicits kind of a, like a real reaction from you instead of just you know yeah. usual teacher-student relationship is or just instead of just picking you know they can always just pick the Shakespeare that you did for your junior search yeah. and cast it whatever way or a, a lot of schools just focus on a musical which like not all actors can sing and you it's very hard to take any role in a musical if you don't have some sort of uh, vocal ability yeah um, and I think that's really now having said that you nearly want schools to do both because then there's yeah. musical theatre people that don't get a shot in a straight play. And, True, yeah. Um, but uh, Miss Flannery was uh, absolutely like, it's why I'm so surprised at myself when I look back that I took that break because actually I was doing quite a lot and yeah. then suddenly I just went, nope. I got it, like I put my blinkers on and was yeah. like, you have to do this. Wait, so you can get overloaded very easy when you're a teenager though mm. and like when you've all these different kind of influences coming from different ways and i think i said to myself this is never going to work out as a as something that's going to pay your way and you need to concentrate on something that will yeah um and because i went that way i never i never fully got off the fence on either side and i think that has been has had a negative uh, effect on both sides yeah so i've never kind of like fully excelled in s- another career that i might have done and i've never managed had time enough to do this one yeah so it's kind of left me in this limbo which i'd love to go back and say be brave just yeah. go for it but then you know you always think i should get a degree first and i should get yeah. a job first and i should do that first so i don't know even if i know everything that i know now i don't know if at 15 i would have made any different yeah of a choice unfortunately like the real world comes knocking sometimes and yeah. you just have to go well jesus i have responsibilities or i have to pay this yeah. stuff for that like you know so you can't always go chasing that dream no yeah and you shouldn't really be- beat yourself up about it too much either i don't think like no you know, i don't think so sometimes you kind of want wish you'd like i don't know if you if you could have the sliding doors experience or yeah. constellations or something where you're like what would have happened and, yeah you know but look I'm yeah. still very happy well, where I am. What so. would have happened is just you're on the door. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that would have been it. Yeah, yeah. It was a big step to go back in and do the masters. Yes. And uh, did you enjoy it? Did you embrace it again? Yes, did you think as much I as did. you thought you would? Um, it was a very weird situation. So I was living in Edinburgh when I found out I got the masters. Oh, okay. 
and I was working for a cleaning company and on the same day I got the letter offering me the masters I also got offered a promotion <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I went to a pub and I sat down and I had a pint by myself and I just said do I want to be mm. in cleaning and management or do I want to go back and do theatre obviously it was kind of like go back yeah. this is not a question yeah, absolutely um, except that the prospects of the other thing financially would have been quite nice eventually because you could have gone to area manager and this is all what they were talking to me about yeah that. yeah but at the, at the same point point it took me a third of the point to make the decision yeah. like yeah, I, did, yeah, yeah. I didn't mull it over too long uh so i came back and yes i embraced it a lot it was like the second year that that master's was available at all okay this was pre like now in nuig they have the o'donoghue center they have a connection with druid they have all these crazy brilliant facilities that we didn't have um but we had some great teachers and it was a great masters i felt like it dipped my toe back into the pool but mm -hmm. it didn't um it i mean it it did what it set out to do in that i had a snippet of a lot of things yeah um but i definitely want it gave me the taste to want to get back on the stage mainly as an actor um, so I had a chance to write, I had a chance to review, I had a chance to devise um, all these different things in the Masters. But all it said to me was, you want to be handed a script and you want to be directed. Um, and so that's where, uh, from there then, I said I'd do drama school. Yeah. Um, again, very big scary step because I was older than most people who would make that decision at the time. I was 26 when I made the decision. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people go at like 20. Yeah. And in America, they go even younger because they go straight yeah. out of school. Um, well, my cousin is doing that right now. What straight out of high school? Oh, hang on, or something like that. She's probably already through it. <laughs> I'm, I'm very close like with her. Yeah. So her, I don't even know what my sister's jobs are. <laughs> I'm horrendous in knowing this. I shouldn't even brought that up. So and sorry, Reagan, that I brought it up and I don't know what you're doing. Do you know? Do you know what, what country or what school it would have been? No. No. <laughs> um, I shouldn't have brought it up. Because right. I have no clue. Uh, <laughs> Because, yeah, they, they do start really young. Yeah, like, they do. Um, yeah. Uh, I was in school, when I went to drama school, I was they were like, some of them were 18, 17, Jeez. 18. Um, which in the States, they couldn't even drink. So I was like, this is crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do I get to know you if not in a pub? Um, so uh, at the time, yeah, I, I thought I was going to audition for the drama schools in England. Um, except I missed all the deadlines because I made this decision really slowly. Yeah, yeah. And there was an audition for an American drama school and I didn't have to sing for the audition, which was another plus because I, I not only um, did I feel at the time I wasn't a good singer, but I have a massive phobia of singing, um, mainly due to the fact that I was asked to mime in our school choir growing up in primary oh, school. Oh, really? Uh, and then I was still made to go to the mass where we sang as a choir to mime. Yeah, right up till uh, sixth class. And then I went into secondary school and I, I, was, I was in choir and we were all getting ready to sing. And I was like, this is my moment. I yeah. can be able to sing this time. Yeah. And I was asked to mime. Oh, no. Like, in secondary school yeah, as well? like 15 oh, minutes into uh, it. So I was like, oh, so I had this horrible phobia of it. So I didn't have to. So I was like, this school obviously doesn't do singing. Yeah. So yeah. grand. Um, so anyway, I did the audition and I got in and I was like, oh, I was only supposed to do that as kind of like a practice run for all the British schools. And my mom and my dad were like, well, you got in, so. Just go. Just go, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you don't States? need to practice. Yeah, so I went to New York. New York, okay. Yeah, it's the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Okay. Wow. Um, and I used to say ADA, but then people think I've said RADA. Oh, okay. And then when I have to explain it, they get really disappointed that I didn't go to RADA. <laughs> now I give it its full title. Yeah. Um, and then, so I was. RADA's in England, is it? That's yeah, the Royal Academy. The Royal Academy of yeah, yeah. Dramatic Arts. 
Um, and there's no connection. Um, well, at least I don't think there is. So I think I, I must have been 27, 28 by the time I actually got there. And my mom came over for the first week and a bit, settled me in. She left on my second day of class or something and yeah. we just said goodbye. And I went in to my class and this old man arrived and then suddenly he rolled out a piano. Oh, and then everybody nice. had to stand up in a circle and he started playing the scales and I started to cry. Oh, oh no. Man. And at 27, <laughs> I stood in a room full of strangers and I cried for two hours solid. He said he couldn't hear anything except for the word nuns in an Irish accent and he didn't want to ask any more questions. <laughs> 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 I just cried, cried, cried. Oh, um, wow. Eventually, I learned to sing without crying. And by the end of first year, I got a B. I was so happy. Nice. Ah, that's brilliant. Um, yeah. And he totally, he totally held my hand the whole way through that. Yeah. Um, oh, sweet. His name was um, John Bayless. Um, I also became his cleaner, incidentally, but that was my side hustle when I was in New York. <laughs> um, and he was uh, in like My Fair Lady on Broadway for like 10 years. And his partner was a costume designer on Broadway. Oh, wow. They, they were just like, except that by the time I met him, he was 85, I think, wow, teaching in the school. Working. Um, but he was amazing. And he, another massive help along the way who made me feel okay about myself. Yeah. I don't think I ever sang again from then until very recently. Um, but uh, he made me not hate something that I had hated for a very long time. Which yeah, well, singing's not easy. No, 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 not it's a very vulnerable thing to do. I it think. is, yeah. Um, so yeah, that got me to that's where are we now? New York. I yeah. feel like I'm just giving a life story. We're in New York. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, so it was on Madison Avenue, uh, 30th and something. <laughs> is that in Manhattan? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was about to say around the corner from the Crooked Knife, but I don't know why you would know where the Crooked Knife no. pub is. That was just my local. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been yeah. to New York plenty well, of times? I was born in New York. Oh, you yeah. were, yeah. Flushing Queens. Queens. Flushing yeah. Queens. Oh, I did a show in Flushing. Did you? In the Poopenhausen Institute. Oh, nice. In the Poopenhausen Institute. <laughs> I don't think that's how you pronounce it. But I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I used to commute. I lived in uh, Williamsburg in Brooklyn. All right. And it was a show in Queens, which to commute to, you have to get a train into Manhattan and then a train up Manhattan and then a train out up the other end. Yeah. Jeez. It used to take me two hours both ways. So it's a four <laughs> hour commute. Yeah. <laughs> like that would be like, and the rehearsals were only three or four hours. They weren't full days. It was yeah. like in the evening. And it was February. And I used to get off the train in Brooklyn at like midnight. And it was so cold that like you would feel, it was like you were being sliced. Jeez. Like on your face, it was horrible. I used to wear my scarf up to here, my hat down to here, um, but all in the name of theatre. Yeah, um, but it was a lo- another lovely experience. I I can't. Oh, an experiment with an air pump. I think it was called. Oh my god, I can't remember what the name of the play oh, was, was. The play. Yeah, I was just like I thought it. <laughs> I'm just saying something that happened words. to you one of the nights on the way home. <laughs> I had to wear this hat. I was playing this the classic kid. New York air pump experiment. Yeah, of course. I mean, everybody knows that. <laughs> Um, I played a, a child uh, in one so the play was two different time lines and in one timeline I was a child who liked science yeah. and in another one I was like this badass boss lady um, I clearly remember my characters very well <laughs> but what I do remember is I had to wear this hat as the kid part and I had to put and it was a like a steam train I was mate I was pretending I was a steam train and the hat was really really tall oh, yeah. and like I pulled this lever and there was like uh, dry ice in the top oh, so nice. when I pulled the lever it came out and the guy was pouring the dry ice and I had no goggles on or anything and I was like is this a safe thing to do <laughs> he was like sure 
Just get on stage. Yeah, yeah. Just do it. <laughs> we have no insurance. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was uh, my my commute from Williamsburg to Flushing, Queens. Yeah, yeah. Also, the nanny is famously Flushing. Oh right, yeah. Okay. Na- what's her name? Fran Drescher. Fran Dreschner. Yeah, I I was just born there. I don't yeah. have any memory of the place or <laughs> Fran Drescher. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah, I'd visit New York a bunch because my dad's family's um from Long Island. Oh yeah. So, um, but I really don't like New York City. <laughs> See, I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. I'm not it. a huge city guy in general. Though. Oh yeah, okay. The only city I like in the States is New Orleans. It's oh, just yeah. fucking amazing there. I went to, one of the girls I went to drama school was from New Orleans and she just, the way she spoke about it made me think it's one of the places I have to go to. Oh, yeah. it's, it's phenomenal. Mm. Yeah, it's it's well worth just even spending like a couple days there, you know? Yeah. Um, I loved New York so much we went on our honeymoon oh nice oh, you went, yeah. yeah oh yeah. there you go I'm glad you enjoy it like, oh you know. I love it now yeah. I'm a big city fan okay okay yeah, um, yeah. I Galway is almost too small for me and I get yeah. a little kind of Galway's yeah. a little too big for me yeah yeah <laughs> 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 when we were looking at buying houses I had all these like uh, rules about how not city I could go okay because yeah. we really couldn't afford city yeah oh so, so I was like city. I have to be able to walk to a uh, a variety of pubs which yeah. turns out I can't really well you can but it takes a while so it's just a yeah. long walk yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to be within uh, walking distance of a shop with decent olives <laughs> wow, I mean that's a good that's a good like, this is my you know what you want <laughs> you know? yeah. these are like my <laughs> what do I need to feel like I'm still in a city um, things like when our kids grow up I don't want to have to drive them to the cinema yeah. There has to be a way for them to get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am not going to be their chauffeur when they're 14. So this is all my rules. Um, yeah. So we, we bought in Merview. Oh, yeah. And we love our house. <laughs> that new Salt Hill cinema is great. Yeah, oh, no, well, I had... Oh, okay. I don't know if I should badmouth. I had a little bit of a, an emotional meltdown there about oh, two weeks really? ago. Oh, really? Okay. So you have to use the machine. Now, this is okay. going to make me sound so old. You have to use the machine to get your tickets. You cannot go up. There's no person, is there? There's no person unless you're paying cash. Oh, okay. For okay. some weird rule. Obviously, the machines don't take cash and they can't say no to cash. Um, so I was upstairs with three kids, one of them being three and be, and, and the six-year-old had just fallen and oh, we were kind of late for the cinema. So I kind of rushed him after the fall, which was a bit unfair because he was in quite a lot of pain. <laughs> get up, get up, <laughs> yeah. you? You're going to miss the start of Sonic. And I went to buy the tickets and I tried to buy a family ticket and it tried to charge me 75 euro. So I just got annoyed and I left. What? Yeah, I know. I left the machine, yeah. just walked away from it and went down and I said, can I? And they were like, oh no, you can't do that with card. You have to go back to the machine. And I went, all right, well, can you help me then? Because it's not working. Yeah. I was already annoyed, so that probably didn't help. And uh, he tried to help me, but then apparently because I had already ticked on the seats, there's a 10 minute hold before you can do it again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So then I was like, okay, well, I'll just get the kids their treats while we're waiting and then they said oh no you have to do that machine too <laughs> what the fuck so then I did that part at least I got that part done and then the kids went up and I had ordered them three kids trays and the kids who couldn't carry all the things they were handed came back with a bag of popcorn each a bag of jellies each and a, a drink each and I said where's the kids tray and they were like we don't do those anymore like, your, your machine fuck? said that you did <laughs> your machine so, so you're saying the palace is the place to go <laughs> yes, I so. um, and then uh, so then uh, we finally got the tickets and I went to pay and whatever happened that the money was on the wrong card and I used the wrong card or something yeah. so that froze it for another 10 minutes oh. it sound, this sounds like a Kirby Enthusiasm episode I know <laughs> <laughs> 
And eventually my husband came in because he was arriving later. And I was like, you just pay. Yeah. And I turned around to the guy and God love them. They're young and they're yeah. not being given any sort of leeway to make these things to be able to Easier, fix this problem. Yeah. Like they can't just say to me, here, look, I'll just take your car and I'll fix it. Yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so it was just a young lad. And I went, look, I'm going in. The kids are going in because if we miss the start of this movie, it is not my fault. <laughs> and I just walked out and he's like, you still have to pay. And I was like, my husband's paying. And I just walked off. Oh my God. So I can't go back there for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dye your hair or something. But the chairs are nice. The chairs are lovely. And Sonic 2 was great. (laughs) And we didn't miss the start. Yeah, yeah, well, that's good. There you go. And the kids love the chairs, to be fair. And they love the cinema. It was just... I, I saw um, uh, the Northman in there oh, recently. Did, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. You you bought my is ticket. Is that good? I bought. Yeah, I got for your ticket. There. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you bought the ticket. I, 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 don't did you I'll use the back. machine? I bought them online before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just That's a tip there. Tip for you there now for the next time. Is that good? It's amazing. Okay. Do you like Robert Eggers? Do you like any of his other movies? Yeah, like it's just so I'm so tired at the moment that I tend to only go for like really easy movies, which okay. is sort of ruining all movies for me yeah and but at the same time i'm like i have to be really a particular about when i pick to watch something like that yeah because i want to stay awake yeah and i won't watch it in two sittings i won't go back for the second yeah, half makes sense yeah. yeah the guy we went with fell asleep he did fall asleep. oh okay <laughs> and he has two three young kids so. okay so yeah. it needs to be like yeah. an early night the kids have gone to bed easily i have time for a glass of wine maybe yeah yeah it's it's great. Okay. I, I I don't know how to uh, review movies or anything. Okay. Just as good. It's good it enough for me. Like a nihilistic Braveheart, you know. It was oh, okay. Ma- like art house Braveheart. Mm-hmm. I've heard it called. Yeah. Okay. That um, I buy. So I mean, it's it's not Taffin. It's okay. It's, Taffin's <laughs> the greatest film of all time, but it's it's pretty good. I like it. You know? Um, did they release the posters without the title on it, or was that a the Northman? Yeah, I feel like there was a release of posters on New York subways. Oh yeah, yeah. I think yeah. In? I think you're or right. They forgot <laughs> to, or it was just like an <laughs> or like a misprint. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I think I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I, think I, I enjoyed that, that very much. I don't know why I laughed at that so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Guess what movie it yeah, is? We're not man. going to tell you. Did, yeah. did, uh, did you like? I thought it was the weakest of the, of the three films. Yeah, but I still it's loved my it. least favorite of his film. But yeah. um, I still thought it was good. I still thought it was okay. better than most shit you see. You know. You see, that's kind of a good bar. Like that's a good bar for me. Better than most shit you see. Yeah. But then I did watch The Lost City the other day, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. The Lost City. So I'm not sure if I should be the one critiquing movies at the moment. It has Channing Tatum. It has Sandra Bullock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brad Pitt. And I laughed a lot. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've heard of it. No. Oh, I mean, it's terrible. Yeah. By all movie review standards, I would probably say it's a terrible, terrible film. Um, and who else is in it? Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe. Okay. Um, but I I actually like fell off the couch laughing at certain points, which sometimes is all you need. Okay, great. Yeah. And I stayed awake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign. Um, and I love Daniel Radcliffe. Radcliffe. Yeah. I'm doing all these movements, and then I realize I'm on a podcast. Nobody can see me. Guns I know. Akimbo I often is just a great like, movie. I'll just like nod a lot of the time and mm. not say anything as well on the podcast. <laughs> and I realize what the fuck that means nothing. Like it's no yeah. good. It's Nobody no good. knows you're agreeing. <laughs> yeah, it's no good. So you have to say you're yeah. no good. You're you have no to good. go yeah, yeah, all the time. Daniel. You know. Um, I definitely recommend Guns Akimbo. I haven't seen that one yet. I've heard of it. Yeah, that's, it's very that's Radcliffe funny. as well. Yeah, yeah? yeah, okay. And I saw Radcliffe in New York in Equus. Oh right, yeah, that's the play about the horse or something. Yes, with the guy from. Is that he's nude in that? Yes, he is. Oh, he is nude in that. Uh, that's funny. Now, I if you said Equus there, I was like, horse Daniel Radcliffe nude. Nude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, he was in it with. Um, Doesn't he have a wank on stage or something? No, I don't think so. All oh, right. 
don't know why I thought but that. But I, I, I do feel like I do feel like that is alluded to though. Okay. Like okay. he didn't sit there and have a wank. Okay. Yeah, okay. Me. Okay. Um, <laughs> he what was the, what's the uncle's name in Whitnail and I the big guy. Oh yeah, the yeah. Boys, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Farm the young carrot. Yeah. Uh, he, he was. I don't in know it. his actor. I don't know the actor's no, name. No, I can't remember either. He's he's great. So that. at least we've circled around to New York again. Yes. <laughs> We got back there eventually. Oh, yeah. I'm not yeah, even sure sorry, where we went in the way. <laughs> oh, Salt Hill Cinema. Yeah, that's yeah. real. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how long did you stay in New York for? Um, I always say I was three years, but I wasn't quite. Uh, so the two years drama school were back to back. I had no summer break. Mm-hmm. So I started in February and went to August and then restarted in August and went to the May. And then I was another six months. I had 12 months leeway visa wise. Okay. But I only used six months of them. I can genuinely only say it was because I got really, really tired. Okay. Um, I was working like, so my parents supported me a lot. I could not have done the, this. I couldn't have done it without them. They financially supported me the whole way through drama school and everything. I can't imagine it was very cheap to go to drama school. No, so my parents were really smart when I was born. In and the started States to as well. Save, yeah. yeah. They saved money for our college fund. But then by the time we all got to college, college fees were gone. Okay. So they had it kind of half prepped. And then, they, I mean, everybody still had to dip into every other pot that was there. But they made it happen for me, which was amazing. Um, and then afterwards, um, they were still they were still financially supporting me the whole way. Um, but I was trying to make it more independent. Um, and I was working a couple of jobs and you're working like you, you kind of keep your jobs really temporary and really movable. Mm-hmm. So I worked really random jobs. I was a host in an Irish bar and I worked the wax museum oh, yeah. as an entertainer. So one of my jobs was I was Freddy Krueger's hand in the is, horror walk. In is, the it a, is it a Tussauds wax museum? Or yeah. It is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, off, cool. just off Union Square. <laughs> That's great. Um, so I used to have to sit in this little box, the little curtain, and I had the glove on. Yeah. And I had to wait till I could see somebody's shadow walking past. And as the shadow hit a certain angle, you knew they were in the right space that the hand would go flying out of the curtain. <laughs> And like it took all your power not to laugh yeah. every time yeah. they screamed because like you just you'd be on such a high from doing the little yeah. one thing. Um, so that was my favorite job. And my, my other favorite job was standing outside that where I had to give the warning. And I really oh. enjoyed using the warning to get them scared before they'd gone in. Yeah. So I'd be like, you cannot do this if you were any of the following. And I'd be like, pregnant, epileptic. And I'd start listing off all these things. And I'd list them in such a furious way that people were like, oh my God, am I? I don't know. Do I have epilepsy? I'm I don't know. Die. <laughs> yeah. What's going to happen to me? Uh, so I loved, I loved that. But you, you, I, and I was a cleaner. And the cleaner were my own hours. I just, you know, I just did it off people I knew and all that kind of thing. So by the time you've done all that and then you're, when you wanted a queue for a union audition as a non-union actor, you used to have to queue from like four o'clock in the morning in, in Times Square or five okay. o'clock. Or when it, I'd get up at four, so like queue from half five. Good God. Um, And the one of the only ways to get into the union was to get a union job. And again, nobody can see my facial expressions yeah. on the podcast, yeah. <laughs> but I'm exasperated. Yeah. Um, so it got it just got very tiring and like um I had about three or four different managers and agents say to me at 28 that I wouldn't make it young that my career would probably start in my 40s um uh, where are they pulling that out of Well I was not an ingenue so I was never going to play Juliet was the way one of them described it to me Oh right Oh I mean which was kind of fair I mean she's supposed to be 14 and I was 28 <laughs> Okay but some 28 year olds 
do get to do that because what's the term that you use there ingenue ingenue like young lady oh, okay so okay um i'd be more somebody described me like brenda fricker before okay so I'd be more the Brenda Frickers in the world rather than the Blake Livelies. Can't okay. say I know Brenda Fricker. My Left Foot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Her All right. Jesus um, Christ. Yeah. It's great film. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> was, she in, uh, she, was, she in, was she in Home Alone? Yes. Yeah. She was yeah. the bird lady. Yeah. She was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, you got it. So they told that to me. That, that got said to me a couple of times. So that also kind of like knocked the wind out of my sails a bit. Because I was like, what am I supposed to do now? Though? Yeah, just wait around yeah. for 20 years. And they said because young people like me don't exist. But I was like, well, I, I, I am, tw- I am, tw- I'm here. <laughs> I would have said that. <laughs> yeah, I'm right in front of you. Um, So, yeah, so I don't know. That that and tired. And I, I got this weird thing about not wanting to go on the subway anymore. Mm-hmm. I hated going on the ground. Yeah. So I started taking the bus everywhere, which in New York takes hours. Jeez. Oh, yeah. That's... And I walked everywhere as well. Um. But yeah, so th- th- I think the wind got knocked out of me a bit and I got a bit tired. And then I also started thinking about like, oh, I'm 28 and if I want to meet somebody that I want to spend my life with, mm-hmm. do I want that person to be American maybe? Uh. I wasn't so sure about that. <laughs> that, that all goes through our heads, you know. <laughs> um, I, de- I always thought I'd end up with an Irishman and there's yeah. more of them in Ireland. So True. Um, yeah, so I came home uh, and I restarted again, I guess, in Ireland. So when you were in New York, you probably listened to a lot of um, like... Who was that guy? The shock jock guy. Oh, um, I didn't. But I Howard Stern. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Was, was he New York based, is he? I think so, yeah. Yeah, he's East Coast anyway. Yeah, maybe. I, I didn't know. click into a lot of TV or radio. Okay, yeah. I just like movies and theater. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Uh, I oh, used great. to go to the cinema in Harlem all the time because it was my favorite place to go to the cinema. Uh, sorry, it does beat the Salt Hill. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know how you could, but. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, in Harlem, in the cinema, um, it's very okay and very open to very vocal reactions to what's happening uh-huh. on the screen. Oh, okay. And it's That's a totally different experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also queued for the Dark Knight opening show. Um, and we were all, everybody was queuing up and I've never seen anything like it in America. They just... Go crazy. This was just the going to be the best thing ever. And everybody was in costume and all these things. Oh, really? Yeah. Multiple screens, like six screens, just showing in one movie at the same time. Jeez. Um, and then this staff member came out, and it was this huge, like foyer, huge, and made this massive announcement that studio had put a stop to the movie being released. And everybody started going. Well, no, just in general, like it was just nothing bad had happened that we knew of yet. Yeah. Um, and just um that they couldn't show it. And then the crowd started to get really, really like angry. And then she's like, I'm only joking. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> she didn't do it in a really thick Irish accent. <laughs> um, but then we went in and like it, the same thing happened with the trailers. Everybody was having that massive vocal responses and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, and then the movie started and it was like a silent agreement amongst everybody that it just went mm-hmm. completely silent. Wow. And it just added to the experience. Yeah, like, there's yeah. moments like that where you're, now that particular movie I didn't see in Harlem. I was in uh, Union Square, but like there's something about the audience creating the moment there that made the movie better. Yeah. Which if I'd seen it just in my house in Ireland, I don't think it would have had the same effect on yeah. me. But anyway, that's a little side story about New <laughs> York. So, uh, what year did you come back then? Oh, now you're getting to specifics. Oh, okay. You don't have to go. That <laughs> it was February. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was 2008. Okay. If I remember correctly. Um, and I went to Dublin first. Yeah. Um, and the first 
audition I did that I got was to do a Midsummer Night's Dream in the beach on Bray, in, on the beach in Bray. Jeez. Um, and it was incredible. Uh, Valerie O'Connor and Eamon Hearns directed that. And uh, Valerie O'Connor is now when well, she was in Red Rock. Okay. Uh, quite a few TV shows. Um, and it's funny in that cast, loads of that cast. Oh, there's a cat. It's my cat fighting with. Oh damn, the, the cats are fighting. <laughs> I'm just minding my. Cats out of the bag. Cats out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so the cats are okay. Uh, yeah, so um, loads of people in that that have gone on to great things. Um, Mo Dumford played the king. He was in The Dig. Um, quite a few good Irish shows at the moment. He's in The Dry now. Okay. Uh, he's in Vikings. Um, um, but it was an incredible experience. Like, um, I d- They did this thing, um, Valerie and Eamon, that I have now brought in to shows when I've directed, where they called it a potluck Friday. And every Friday afternoon, everybody in the cast would bring a bit of lunch. Yeah. Um, and that was the rule was that on that day you spent lunch together. The second rule was that you weren't allowed to talk about the play. So you had to talk about other stuff. Yeah. And they tended to bring wine. Oh, very good. Um, and because it was a Shakespeare play, the cast was huge, obviously. So yeah. there was a there was food from everyone. And everybody just totally embraced this idea of this communal like team building exercise. Uh, and it was really lovely and also Friday afternoon rehearsals were always quite interesting <laughs> um, and nobody ever took the mick even though it was like you know you'd kind of expect there to be one person that possibly had one too many glasses of wine but yeah, everybody yeah. had like two and that's then got grand. back to work Okay, that's and it was just the right level to especially when you're working on comedy sometimes it's helpful Yeah, I shouldn't probably uh, say that but <laughs> sometimes it is yeah. um, I have another story about Vicodin but that might be for a different podcast <laughs> um, but uh, yeah so that was just a really lovely experience and a lot I learned in that experience I took into shows where, that I directed which sometimes from different shows I'll take something in that I'll use as an actor or I'll take something that I'll use as a writer Yeah. Um, and watching Valerie and Eamon in that I, I stole a lot of their stuff for director stuff yeah Um. And sometimes you even steal people's phrases. I've talked to this about with other directors that you go into a new show and you find yourself using the terminology or the vocabulary of the last director you were ah. <laughs> like, I'm just stealing stuff. I'm flat out stealing now. But yeah, that was a great experience. Um, yeah, it's, it, that's what happened. We all do that. Like, that's why I'm not listening to podcasts. Yeah, so I yeah. don't yeah. like repeat the same shit. Like I listened to a few episodes of um, Stuff You Should Know. Yeah, you yeah. That? yeah. And I, I just found myself in normal conversation, just like talking about postmodernism <laughs> yeah, yeah. or Marcus Garvey <laughs> and, and my just husband like, is Shit. obsessed with the Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast oh yeah yeah um, and I doubt I, I think that one's quite off the wall so it's probably safe to listen to that and not think it's going to seep in <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but it happens um, like yeah. you, you, do, you do steal things you know by accident you know I once wrote a piece and I realised I kind of stole a whole storyline <laughs> yeah. and then I was like is it stealing if you don't know you're doing it or is it that you've been inspired by someone it's like yeah, it's a real thin it's, line it really is it's very strange gray areas with all yeah. that stuff you know um yeah but it was a very minor storyline but i remember rereading it after having rewatched the thing that obviously inspired me and just going oh shit that is very similar <laughs> um yeah so yeah so when i came back to dublin uh, i stayed with my sister um and she lived up there and i went on the dole for a while and I also taught drama for a while and I just tried to work it where you yeah. audition and you tell casting directors who you are and you get new headshots every five months, even though they're really expensive. And I've now used the same headshot for 10 years and I still look exactly the same. <laughs> um, 
and you keep telling casting directors who you are and you, you keep doing that yeah. every two weeks until you start to feel really obnoxious um but it's the way it's done okay yeah. um and you keep asking them to come to stuff um and i just did that for quite a while and then i fell in love with a musician in galway it's so cliched <laughs> Um, and I don't think I moved back for him but the timeline seems yeah, to match yeah. up yeah. Um, so I came back to Galway for a while and I restarted again and kind of the whole shebang and then he broke my heart what a prick and then um, I cried a lot and then I, I'd i had a dry spell theatre wise before this breakup Okay. and I hadn't done a lot of work for a while Yeah. and I was starting to get disillusioned again there's lots of patterns to yeah. this um, and then we broke up and I went into, um, it, it, I, I got quite depressed. Yeah. Um, so I went and did something that was kind of crazy. Crazy is probably the wrong word. It's not crazy. But I went back to Galway Community Theatre and I asked for a role in a community play in the ensemble, which meant I had no lines. Yeah. Which obviously is not the main point of acting. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I was you know in it was called Shea Mouse it was also a brilliant experience and it was directed by Andrew Flynn and Jarlath Tivnan played the lead character the mouse but most other people were <coughs> farmyard animals in the story mm-hmm. um, so like I would just become an animal I, I think I was a rat and I just became part and I had a mask on and I just came, <laughs> yeah. became part of the ensemble what and was I the had name like of the play again? Shea Mouse Okay, okay. And I had like three lines. I think I was a bad rat at one point. <laughs> um, but it served its purpose to me very well. Um, and I say this with the greatest respect to the Goa Community Theatre and to Andrew who directed and everything. I needed to come back to a safe space. Yeah. I needed to come back to a creative space. And I also needed to come back to that with no pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did. And I was able. And it brought me back to theatre again. Um, and from there I two things happened from there I started working with Fregoli and I started working with Annam Theatre Company which is one of them uh, I work, still work with is Fregoli and then Annam I did one of the best plays of my life if, and that, that was uh, low level panic wasn't yeah. it um, Shea Mouse had got me back to the safe space to try yeah. again but I wasn't sure if this was for me anymore that um, and then I found out that there was also a nude scene in it so oh, that was a big yeah, question <laughs> to Quite go from joke. my rat in the mask to mm-hmm. yeah. uh, naked bat scene. Um, so then I looked up Justin, uh, who was the director. Uh, I just had a quick Google and I was like, oh, this guy seems to be doing lots of very cool, interesting things. So yeah. uh, yes, I'll audition. So I got yeah. as far as the audition. And I said I'd do it. And then I went in. And I remember Sarah talking. So I did the audition and he got me to redo it again which directors always do um and he just asked me to do it in the style of a stand-up comedian which i found very interesting um, very freeing um and kind of hard because if you've rehearsed a monologue one way to change it that completely is quite hard but um i i I obviously did okay (laughs) because i got the part um and i remember sarah talking to me about the nude scene and if i'd be okay with it and she said you know we'll do anything that makes you comfortable uh, you know, if we need shower curtains or that kind of thing, mm-hmm. we'll do that. And I remember just looking at Justin and just looking in his face and going, that man has no intention of putting a shower curtain up. Yeah. He was just like, <laughs> um, I'm not sure. <laughs> but but very much so, we'll make you feel comfortable. But I'm not sure about the curtains. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, so that's how I got that role and how we went into it. And the experience itself was amazing because... 
again for years you come out of drama school and you're doing things where you have part-time jobs you have side gigs and a lot of them aren't properly paid and because they're not properly paid they can't expect you to give a five-day week full day rehearsal process so rehearsals are in bits and bobs and drips and um you never get the fully immersive experience that should be there uh to make good theater and that you want to be there and not only can they not ask you a lot of the time they have their own side gigs and they can't do it yeah but in this situation Justin was coming over from London he was going to be here for four weeks specifically we did one week and then we took a break and then we came back in another four um so the, you were only offered being offered the job if you were able to do five days a week uh, full full time hours which yeah. I was at the time so I said yeah yeah um and uh I remember, uh, so we did the first week, which was just reading and script stuff. And then part of my way of dealing with my own mental health at the time was to go on a holiday by myself. Uh, So I went to Spain to the same place I had lived in years ago. Oh my God, I'm like, this is a massive tangent. But anyway. um, Where in Spain was this? uh, Cadiz in the South Spain. It's about an hour south of Seville. Gorgeous. Oh yeah. So I lived there for a year in Erasmus and I went to college three days a week and I had four days off and I lived on the beach. Nice. Um, and I didn't have a job when I was in Spain because I saved money to go because I knew it would be cheap anyway that's another tangent so I went back 10 years after I'd been there um, and that part of my way for preparing for the nude scene was that I would start to do this in Spain on my own so on the beach I would start ah. to go topless and then to get really really comfortable I started to go for like a walk topless like okay. just along the, the and then to get really comfortable I'd wave at people but like I didn't know anybody so <laughs> I was waving at strangers while I was topless it's like hello and they're like okay um and then i'd go for a swim and yeah now i never went as far as a nude beach or anything like that i just wanted to get comfortable enough with myself that i felt i could do this of course yeah but anyway it's too much of a tangent because the nude scene on that play was the least important part about it and the least important part of my experience but because it's so um it's so vulnerable to do that yeah it it becomes a big part of it but when when you sit back and look back it's not it's not the essence of it um, I couldn't have done it if it, the director wasn't as good as he was. Yeah. Um, and he just knew he knows how to talk to each person the way they need to be talked at in a particular moment. So he never speaks to one actor the same way he'll speak to another. Okay. Um, for example, he knows he knows me now very well. We've worked together on a couple of things where. I I will always have a self-deprecating joke quite regularly and he knows he needs to let me do it almost so that we can get on with everything else yeah. we need to get on with. Yeah. Um, but I also don't think I could have done it unless I was where I was mentally. It just was a really good timing. Um, but he also directed that show so beautifully. So it was the show was really about... Uh, it's a female story from, the, from a male gaze. Like, um, well, at least that's how he directed it. But... My car. There's two characters. There's three. <laughs> there's three women in it that live together. Um, one Joe, who I played, who was going through um her own issues to do with body image and how she feels about herself in the grand scheme of the world, the way that it is. Um, and then there was Mary, who had just had. Uh, she's. It's never fully explained exactly what's happened, but there's been a sexual assault in her recent past. 
And then there was, oh my God, I can't remember Aoife's character's name. And Aoife is going to kill me if she listens to this. Sorry, Aoife. Um, there was Aoife's character um, who was um, quite obsessed with um, exactly what Joe wished she could be, which was beauty and perfection and cleanliness and, and how uh, to present herself in a way that men would be happy about. Um, and these three worlds come together. And I'm not doing this play any justice, but... Um, they're all best friends and they're all living in this house and they don't necessarily know what each other is going through and they're trying to navigate their lives around each other. Um, and what Justin did, he directed it a couple of times, but, ooh, I knocked the mic. That's oh, you're right. Um, that's because I'm getting so excited about the story. <laughs> we're in uh, the smog, you know. <laughs> I'll knock my mic, fuck it. Um, <laughs> what he did uh, the second time around was that he wanted to make it feel like... Um, it does for a woman in the world where you feel like you have men's eyes on you all the time and it's quite claustrophobic and it's a particular gaze that is coming at you. Um, so the second, I think it was the second time he did it, he put in a cast of 20 men ensemble characters who are not in the script. Okay. Um, and they appear to the audience initially as stage crew. So they're all in like blacks and have some of them have a few mics or cans on them. Um, you know, they might, I don't know, have a clipboard or whatever yeah. it might be a tool belt and uh, they feel like they're just part of our crew initially um, but then for example when I come out of the bath I get out of the bath and I dry myself in um, on the stage or whatever and I go off stage so the stage was a bathroom but the, like with walls broken through so you could see the frame of the wall and piping and stuff yeah you yeah could see through um, and then I'd walk off to the stage and the the crew would start to dress me. So you would see me as a woman naked turning around to a stage crew and him having to put my bra on and do the clip okay. and like hand me my knickers. And, and like we played with that a lot. Like I'd yeah. get mad when the crew couldn't get the... the this was always <laughs> ad-libbed, but like I would pick on different guys yeah. on the night just to surprise them. And they'd yeah. be like, oh, that's me, fuck. <laughs> and then they wouldn't be able to close the hook on the bra. Um, and there was there was for a while my now husband played one of these cast and he couldn't do the hook. And he was oh, like, oh my God, brilliant. I do this all the time. <laughs> Uh, so we played with that a lot and, and like when I was in the bath for example he domesticated the scene so much Justin did like I was shaving and I was exfoliating yeah. and I was like putting powder on and like there was nothing sexy about it whatsoever and I was chatting to my friend to the point that when the audience described it that you just didn't see me naked anymore you just saw a person talking yeah, yeah. and then a little bit later there's a scene where Aoife's character whose name I can't remember um, was in her underwear and and he directed it to the point that it got really uncomfortable. Um, so like the, the, you would feel this cast of men getting closer and closer to her. Okay. And like, there was this feeling that she was going to take the bra off and she kept getting interrupted before she got to take the bra off. And it made, it, it just got very uncomfortable to watch. And then this all leading up to a scene where there is sexual assault, like it creates an, an atmosphere and none of that was in the text. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was in the text. He just pulled it out and made it a different thing. Well, that was written by um, Claire McIntyre, yeah. wasn't it? And that was it was really originally written in 1988. Yes, and he brought it to today. Well, when we did it ten years ago, to then, and he brought it to Galway. He didn't. We didn't feck around with accents or anything. Yeah. What was her name? Caroline Quinton originated the role of Joe from Men Behaving Badly. Okay. Uh, she tweeted me oh, at nice. the time because I told her I took my knickers off for the first time she got all excited um, <laughs> <laughs> I 
it's a great play it's a really great play um and it was a great uh, working relationship myself and justin um he's um speaks the same language as i do in theater like we have the same goals when yeah. we're when we're working we know what we want and it was like there is a correlation we won't jump to it straight away but the film that you or the play that you wrote yeah and, um, there's a correlation of kind of theme there yes yeah, so um and it was around the same time he i so i had started so you know when that musician broke my heart the prick yeah um he <laughs> um uh, well, uh, just after we broke up i started to write a novel originally okay um and i had written eight chapters and i mentioned this um after we'd done a little panic myself and just went for some wine with the crew and the cast and everyone um and i had mentioned this at that time and again not to get into it because i know we'll talk about it later but um no we can talk that, about it now yeah <laughs> at that point he mentioned why didn't i turn it into a play um and i'm glad i didn't yet because i hadn't lived the end of the play yet and yeah. the play oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so tart is semi-autobiographical the semi um strength depends on who i'm talking to <laughs> okay yeah yeah <laughs> um i i stress the word semi-autobiographical when i'm talking to my parents yeah um and then i fly past it if i'm trying to sell it because it's way hotter if it's all true <laughs> of course <yeah>. um, <laughs> but uh um yeah the tart ended up being much more to do with my current life which i hadn't even met i had just met my now husband actually yeah so when justin initially said why don't you turn it into a play i was like because i don't think it's theatrical enough i i think this this it felt more like a self-help book which also felt like a self-help book because that's what i needed when i started writing it yeah yeah um because it wasn't a self-help book in the sense of like top 10 tips and how yeah, to yeah. feel better about yourself it was a self-help book on because it tart is about my sexual history okay so when it was a book originally it was about the choices i made in life so i had talked about the man i chose to love yes the man i chose not to love and then eventually it became the man that i did love and that's how it was initially um written uh so it took you through the many many men that went in between um I've tried to make an actual list in my life. I've never completed it uh, with any kind of accuracy. Yeah. Um. There's lots of like X's and question marks in that list. Uh, mm. I've done. I've done it numerous times. It's hilarious. Um. But um. Yeah. I. I. It. W- it wasn't the right time. But the fact that Justin said it to me, let it stew for a very long time. Yeah. So. Uh. The reason I came back to his idea was after I had my second child, I. Got, I went I got very depressed again I don't know if it was postnatal um, I get asked that yeah I always think it's not because it felt like it had nothing to do with my children okay but it could have been I yeah. don't know it could definitely hormonal it was influenced by hormones um, and also my friends let me down very badly at the time in my life um, some of my girlfriends so um, I kind of spiraled again and the only way to unspiral that I knew worked last time was to write yeah so I took the book out that I never finished because basically I stopped writing it initially because I got happy again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I took it back out when I was sad, which was like eight years later. And go. I turned it into a play. Yeah. And then I got I got a little bit of funding from the Arts Council to um, it was a professional development award where I was able to bring Justin in as my writing mentor, basically. And he helped me complete finish writing it. 
Oh, that's great. So yeah, yeah it was developed with Justin Martin and then, then Claire Mil- Milan. Is that correct? Yeah. So then, um, so first it was developed with Justin and we got it to like draft level, like I maybe maybe draft two, I think. It went. It got to draft ten. Okay. Um, and there was definitely loads of mini drafts in the middle, but uh, yeah. So Justin did it first, and then I I applied for a couple of different things with it. Like I applied for um fuel with Druid, and I applied for a couple of writing things with it, and I didn't get any of them. And then, which I think was serendipitous or whatever. Um, and then I got into the Galway Theatre Festival 2020 as a work in progress. Okay. So a work in progress is basically where you read or you perform two or three scenes for from a piece for an audience and you take feedback. Okay. I understand the purpose of work in progresses, but I also don't love them personally because sometimes I feel like you let out half your secrets too soon. Yeah, true. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah, and and the Galway audience is only so small. <laughs> yeah, you know, you 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 know, they're going to be the same people that will come back. I mean, the flip side of that is you get people interested and they come back. But, um, so but anyway, that got cancelled because COVID. Yeah, the thing we uh, mentioned. And then they asked me to come back in twenty twenty one, which became an online only festival. Um, and it was Circa Keen was the festival director at the time, and I think I had night terrors about doing it online for about three weeks before i eventually admitted to circuit that i didn't think it was right for it yeah, yeah. which is very hard because they've stuck with you already for uh. a year and this is the point that claire milan had already worked on it so she had worked on it from 2020 and so they had invested time in with me through their dramaturgy program and they had stuck with me and they'd said that like, and i just thought that it was going to really damage a professional relationship and i was really nervous about this and and then I got the best response I've ever got to like, you know, when you're like, I can't believe you're this kind. Yeah. Um, and she just said that was that was OK. And if the only reason I was going to do it was to not let her down, then that was a terrible reason to do a play and it would never be right for it. And yeah. Yeah. All these things. And and oh, then she. Response. Yeah, it was amazing. And then she offered me to keep Claire for another year yeah. and to come back in 2022, which is what we did do. Yeah. Um. And it was amazing because then Justin got to work with. He came over to a workshop in August. We had worked. I'd worked with Claire on the draft up until August, and then her timeline had run out. The amount of hours she was uh, contracted for, and then Justin came over for a week. And um, we workshopped it with um actors that just totally volunteered their time to me amazingly and so generously, um, and a sound designer that came in just to, just because out of kindness. Yeah. Um. And we, Salerno Secondary School lent me their sports dome for a week. Like everybody did everything for free. It was unbelievable. Um, and that was the time where Justin told me he just got a new big gig in the West uh, End directing Jodie Comer and that he wouldn't be available to direct the show. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, I mean, I understood. Yeah, of course. Kind of. <laughs> um, and she's great. And it's amazing. And he got his West End debut and it's incredible. Um, but I was without a director. Yeah. But um, also kudos to Justin who then found me a new director. So and that's Amy Reid, isn't and it? And that's Amy Reid. Yeah. Um, and again, I say I don't believe in fate or s- like, what's the word I'm trying to say? Serendipity. Serendipity. Yeah. Um, you pulled that one out real quick. I, I kind I of muttered you, it you, earlier. You oh, said it she, earlier. Yeah. If, if, if she didn't, I would have. I was like, oh. Uh, yeah. I'm, look, I'm doubting um, myself a lot. <laughs> Edit it so it looks like you're really smart and you're exactly. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, 
because she's the exact right person to direct the show like a hundred percent i actually and like he'd probably agree with me but i think it probably needed her and because it needed a fresh um she came in when we had it ready for a director to see it yeah new Mm. Whereas he had developed the script so much that he's still living with older versions. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so we had filmed the workshop, a uh, performance from the workshop, and Amy chose never to watch it, which I think was the right thing to do. And it turns out a lot of the things that she found directing it and created from the direction had already been present, oh, but so nobody yeah. had ever told her. Uh, okay. Um, so they were Did found... Did she watch it like afterwards? And... Yeah, so like there's a very particular way we do a sex scene. Okay. Um, Which is hilarious, I would say. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it was a lot of fun um, and very exhausting. But uh, part of that had been hinted at. You're like so curious. Bring it down now. If you want. Yeah. Um, so we the sex scene was all. Um, oh, we're hoping to bring this play back for. Oh yeah. Well, if you want to tour it or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't give um, away then. Yeah. Let's not oh, yeah, say I'll it now. Everybody's gonna be like, ooh. Yeah. Um, when we're not recording we can explain it um, but there was a hint of that in the workshop now okay. she took it to a level that we hadn't even thought possible yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, there was a couple other things in the workshop as well that then we found early in the rehearsal, rehearsal process and then got directed out because they weren't working quite right but it, yeah. like it's interesting to see how she developed it me knowing what I knew without saying anything to her and I, I hate stage directions as a writer, as an actor, as a director. I hate them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hate them so much that as a writer, I don't put them in at all, which sometimes to a director is not helpful. Okay. Because it's really hard to know what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, um, w- w- when you say, uh, was it stage directions? Yeah. So I hate uh, he stood up and went to the sink and got a glass. Okay. So it should be kind of inherent to the actor. That, that That's what okay. needs to be done at okay. the time by the fact that the person says, thanks for the water. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, like something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's not and and if if the person doesn't say thanks for the water, there's no need for him to get up and get a glass yeah. and get water. If it's not in the text, there's zero need for it to happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But particularly in the sex scene when all your the director is reading is the text I had written, she's like, "Wait, now you're going to have to explain to me what is happening yeah. in this yeah. moment." But and particularly actually when Justin workshopped it, um, I can tell you this, Lavin, that in the sex scene, the reason the sex is failing is because the woman is too wet. Okay. Which the male director initially, when he was directing it, couldn't fathom this <laughs> because he was like, "This is not the normal problem." And yeah. I was like, "Well, yeah, but that." It is a problem though for people. So why does it have to be the normal one? Yeah, true. Um, and why does it have to be a male problem? Why are we looking at this failed sex scenes always from normally from a male perspective? Yes, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, so f- that's for a place where stage directions probably were necessary. <laughs> <laughs> um, and only helped by the fact that I, the writer, was in the room at the time and was able to explain what was going wrong okay with the yeah sex yeah well that makes sense yeah, yeah. and we, i should mention the sexy uh this isn't spoiling anything is a failed sex scene as opposed to okay. a successful one okay there's no high-fiving at the end of this um no cigarette no cigarette yeah yeah <laughs> uh, you know we talked a lot about how in movies before they could show any sex um like with censorship and that um or with age ratings before age ratings were in and they couldn't show anything yeah there, there was a there was a while after Europe got a bit crazy with the amount of boobs they were putting on that they put in this new the law. Code, the, the, yeah. the Hayes Code. The Hayes it? Code, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. And to show that sex had happened, they would do really weird stuff like uh, there'd be a train passing and it would go through a tunnel. 
Yeah. Or like the Titanic one is the hand on the window. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about how do we do that in theatre. So we were trying to figure out loads of ways yeah. of doing that. But yeah. we ended up with what we ended up with. Um, it's This is like low-level panic. I always hearken on... I either go to the nude scene or the sex scene and none of the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Amy was amazing. And again... We were extremely tight budget-wise. I didn't get Arts Council funding for the production. Um, I got it for the development, so their stamp will forever be on the poster. Yeah. And rightly so, because they funded part of it. Yeah. Um, But I didn't get any for the production. I did get City Council funding. Um, The festival did fund me a bit. And then I self-produced and self-invested. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, words hurt. You know the way it was produced in conjunction with the Galway, festival. the festival? Yeah. Does that hamstring you in in different ways then or does it release so, you like, like i'm pretty sure that if i was to tour it it will still have to have the logo on oh that's fine yeah, yeah that's yeah. which is fine but that's the only the only stipulations like there's always a stipulation with the festival that you can't have performed it before the festival okay um they helped me financially which is one of the big reasons yeah, to be a course. co-producer um but because we were on such a tight budget and Amy was coming from London and Amy had a job. So this this whole process is insane. Amy had a job as assistant director, which she directed right up until the f- two days before we started rehearsal for Tart. Um, and she uh, she came from like the opening night party to go away. I started a new job two weeks before as well. Oh, um, so I was working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, day, and then I took annual leave for Thursdays and Fridays for like a couple of weeks. And then we started rehearsal Wednesday evenings, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we did that for a month. She, she would fly. So her t- she then was contracted for two days a week on the other gig in London. Well, it wasn't in London. It was all over England because it was on tour. Yeah. So she'd have to go watch a show and then uh, rehearse the understudies and then give notes for the Monday, Tuesday. And then she'd fly back. Yeah. And meanwhile, I was off being a civil servant for three days and we'd go back into it. So we did that for like a month solid, I think, and then tech week and everything. Yeah. So, and on a very low budget. So like I wasn't necessarily covering all her travel costs and all that. So like everybody just, again, fell in love with the project and just was willing to do it. Kind of rolled in with it. Yeah. And this was off the bat of reading a script, which is amazing. So the cast as well agreed on it. Uh, there was a fee, but it was small. Um, and again, they tra- they all traveled. Um, Delia, who played Alexa. Um, so the, the, the roles in it was woman who was played by me, man who played all the men was okay. played by Owen Collins and Alexa, the device um, was played by Delia Keane. And she came in, she moved in to go away into, into her boyfriend's. Um, it's like, sorry, I'm moving in for yeah, a month. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Owen traveled from like Cork and Dublin and everywhere, wherever he happened to be. And Amy was traveling over. Um, NUIG helped us out a lot with um, space like it was just so mental everybody our musical director lives in Australia who wrote the music oh wow so our our musical um, rehearsals were done via Zoom her name's Claire Healy YouTuber because she's hilarious Claire, Claire Healy Claire Healy she's okay. like a female Tim Minchin okay. oh wow <laughs> um, and she wrote she wrote all the songs yeah um, so like we would be in rehearsal really early so that we could and she w- she is the musical director for six in the Sydney Opera House I think so she was coming off shows yeah to come into a Zoom Jeez. with us um, and again just because people read the script and loved it and were willing and it was just so heartwarming and yeah. lovely and I'd rather be able to pay people than feel this good about it but also it's nice to feel <laughs> yeah, this good yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly um, and then we didn't have money for a designer and um, 
Amy said um, she was like she was really slow to say it and she was like I hate saying this because he's my partner so yeah. but my, but George has a few ideas um, so then George came on board uh, and which also the design was just phenomenal like the first day he showed it to me I was like it's like you've just cut my brain open and showed me inside my mind like so you was it was on in the Michelalli theater yeah um, so did you write that with the idea it'll be in a black box theater or? Uh, I didn't ever think about what theatre it would be and I just I initially wrote it with like zero necessary props and yeah. zero so that it makes touring easier but then the set is now so beautiful yeah <laughs> it is it's gorgeous um, but yeah no I never kind of had it I always thought it would be intimate yeah like I don't think you could do it in a 500 seater I mean you could we'd have to rethink it yeah and that must have been a big thrill for you to get it to do it in the McLally as well. So like. I asked. I was so oh, bored. Oh. <laughs> and they said, w- it, I said, what venue are you thinking? And they said, what venue would you like? Oh, wow. And I was like, the McLally, please. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a line in it. Uh, the line was, well, holy God, Miley. And the line got cut. It got edited out in a draft until we got the McLally. And then we were like, we have to get the line back in. Yeah. <laughs> we can't take the man's line away. Yeah. Um, so it got put into the sex scene, of course, because where else would you put? Well, holy God, Miley. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I I didn't write it with McLally in mind, but Justin also is a big fan of the McLally. So we did a work in progress there a couple of years ago called Street that we had devised together, and it, that was in the McLally. So he knew it and loved yeah. it. And where oh, sorry, where is the McLally? So it's Druid Lane Theatre, so it's Druid oh, it's that one. Space. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. I think um, I've been in there. And there's this really famous wall in it. You have you been in it for other shows? Long time ago. Yeah, so the the back wall of the McLally is like this yeah. beautiful stone wall. It's amazing. And when you walk in initially it's really immense. Yeah. And like kind of breathtaking. So they had designed it um the design has like really, really long sheets all yeah. the way at the back of the stage from the ceiling to the floor so you, this wall was going to be completely covered yeah and when amy and george walked into the mclally for the first time and saw the wall they were like we can't cover that wall that wall is amazing <laughs> yeah. and then Sh- shiva who runs the mclally was like yeah but every galway audience has seen that wall so True, covering yeah. the wall is actually going to be the surprise and they were like okay yeah and we painted the floor and everything like we like for a show that was on for four days we really went to town on the set which i'm so glad we did yeah and I'm so glad George came on board. And again, another person who devoted a lot of time and effort for a far, farly insignificant fee. That and it was got great um, attendance, though. It was sold out the night I was there, anyway. So we sold out every night, I think, except for like, um, I say we sold out, but there'd be one or two dotted seats empty. But I don't yeah. know if that was that they didn't sell or that a comp didn't show or or whichever. Um, but we were almost sold out for every show, anyway. Yeah. Um, and we got no press. At all, <laughs> uh, the Goa Theatre Festival got some, which was helpful. Yeah. Um, and I know that they mentioned us on Goa FM, but we didn't get anything in the advertiser or anything like that. So this was purely social media based. Yeah. Word of mouth, and then the festival itself obviously would have a pull. Um. So we were quite surprised that, like, I had asked what the ticket sales were like three weeks before, and we were told the Monday was five. And I just kept having these like recurring nightmares. I was going oh, to five, to five oh, people, oh. and one of them was my husband. Oh, no. So <laughs> I was like, "You don't count." <laughs> um, so that, but they then it's like Monday was one of our busiest nights. I think. What night did you go? 
Saturday. Oh, that was yeah, that was the best night. Yeah. What yeah. festival was this? The Galway Theatre Festival. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm. <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> it's a great festival, actually. Yeah? I've been in it quite a few times. Um, I've been in it with Fregoli as well, and they like it's just it's the Galway International Arts Festival is great for the big players, but yeah. mm-hmm. the, nobody else gets no. much of a look in. Um, Tart would be brilliant if anybody is listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and if um, anyone's listening, I'd like to do the poster. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, George designed the poster as well. He that was how he first came on board. He just did the poster initially, and then came in with everything else. Yeah. Um, and again, because I'm so, it was so low budget, I was mucking around with Canva, and I got the free trial for Pro, and I was coming up with all these mock-ups that were awful and not what I wanted at it all. Great in the end, though, I thought. Hmm? I thought it looked great. Oh, what George end. did look yeah. great. That I had oh, okay. no hand in that. Great play, George. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not George. No. <laughs> I just looked in your direction. Um, but yeah, no, it was great. It was a great experience. Um, it it was te- it was nine years being written. Wow. Um, and it was nothing like its original piece. But I think it took me the night because it's semi autobiographical. Not everything I write is obviously. Um, I don't have that many stories. Yeah. And I fit a lot of them into tart. Um, but it's I finished it at the right time in my own life to be able to finish it the way I needed to, it to end. Um, and I always said to Amy and to Justin and to Claire that the way I wanted the final scene to feel was like, um, do you know Lizzo's song, Good As Hell? Yes. Yes. I wanted people to feel like that, yeah. leaving the room. Um, so that's, it's, um, I'm, I'm not going to sing it, but it's, uh, oh, now I can't I even remember don't it. Don't, 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 don't. Uh, that was good. good yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want that. Completely Pick lost on me. Pick my hair back. Pick my nails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. We make it, you can make it a musical interlude. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. We'll play the song now. Yeah, yeah. You can what? do you can do a cover version of it. What what is it? What is it? Uh flip my hair back. Check my nails. What's the name of it again? Good as hell. Good, good as, hell. as hell. By whom? Lizzo. Lizzo. Yep, no, nope. completely lost on me. But <laughs> it would be a really good cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I got the banjo in the car. Um, <laughs> so yes I, I I wanted people to feel like that and that's how I feel in my life at the moment that's brilliant, strange. brilliant. That's so brilliant. yeah so and I think people did feel like that leaving um, it felt like they felt like that oh god that's long winded um, <laughs> but it felt good it felt yeah. powerful I think and it it um, touches on very s- sad um, history in Irish history and well, not even in Irish history, in female history. Yeah. Um, which we've talked about a lot because there's a big monologue in the middle that talks about the guilt. Um, the guilt women feel sometimes. And um, like I've led a very promiscuous, I hate that word. I've led a very fun life. Fun life okay, yeah. 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 Um, all by my own choosing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> every, every moment was my own choice which is very lucky oh without a doubt yeah yeah absolutely. that i didn't that nothing significantly bad happened to me i mean there was moments that weren't great but um but this monologue talks about um how history has taught us that women get punished simply for being women yeah and that i survived and that that, that makes me feel very guilty and it goes into very specific detail about who oh, she thinks heavy, of yeah. in these moments and stuff yeah. and we've talked about in that from a touring perspective and 
and you know how much would that fly in london for example or in new york and where all these stories are different and we realized really really sadly that all it takes is to change one or two of those stories to be psyched it was stra- strange after after the show we were sitting beside a couple um that had been there on a first date to the show oh god and um <laughs> well she, she loved it yeah but he had to explain like certain um just certain uh incidences from the from that so yeah. you'll talk about the x case and stuff like yeah, that yeah and the y case yeah yeah so like it's um justin um, played me this song um and now I can't remember what it was called really early on in the process. And it was, it was, I think it's called something like remember the name or something. And it's a spoken song really, or it was a poem. I can't remember, but it was, um, from the perspective of black history. And it was like a list of black men that have been killed. Um, I think that was it. I'm getting my details wrong, but the point of he was trying to make to me was that if you only remember one of those names that you didn't recognize and you go home and google that name you've made somebody more aware about something yeah um and he 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 advised me to take that feeling into that monologue and that like you know so everyone currently knows who ashling murphy is but they may not remember who slaying girl is true yeah um cause, and slaying girl was prominent in low level panic time we actually brought it into the play as well um or like a younger audience member may not know and love it story or um and th- there was another story we had in there that we took out because recently that woman's asked not to be discussed and like mm-hmm. th- that monologue took a lot of um it took a lot of delicacy to understand how to do it right and i think if we were to tour the play the only way to make that as strong would be necessarily to and I think it's so sad that it's possible that no matter where you do the show, you could swap out a story and get a local one and yeah. it wouldn't even be hard. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't even be hard to do that. No. And that's the problem. I think that's a huge problem. Um, societally. That's not a word. Maybe. Uh, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's word does. Yeah. <laughs> it works. Um, uh, yeah. Cause the, the whole play I feel like is, God, it's two feet strongly comes out of that monologue. So, and and it was the moment that most women watching the play said it felt like I had stepped into their own mind a little. Mm. Um, God, I'm getting a bit sad thinking about. Talking yeah, but it's heartbreaking. It's very affecting. Yeah. Jesus Christ, especially I found it um that particular scene, but the whole the whole play very informative coming from the standpoint of a man, but also as a standpoint of a father mm. who's got whose daughter is about to come into her teenage years yeah. you know and you have to start thinking of her more not as your little girl but as a woman and all these kind of things that you have to accept about her even yeah. though you want to be protective and all this kind of stuff it's very scary yeah it is it's terrifying but you know you want her to be happy and to live as a fun life as she has she can she wants, like yeah. you know so you can't be um too guarded of her either like and no. like the, there's a whole section about the first time i got my period which is also like so the, the i will say about the set that there is a chandelier of tampons on the ceiling brilliant yeah. uh, which is massive and um, <laughs> myself and all the female members of the cast have uh, made a vow to use um reusable ta- uh, reusable period products from now on because we used up our carbon footprint amount <laughs> on that yeah. ceiling um but uh Again, it was something that women have to deal with and it's a life sentence for a lot of women. And for a lot of women, it's very, very hard and it starts very, very young. And like, it's not something that's talked about at all. Not even enough. Like, like it is, it's getting there now. Yeah. 
but like in my day in school it wasn't at all like it, it's just something you hid and which is ridiculous um so that we talk a lot about how to raise how we'll raise our children towards the end of the play uh, so man primarily plays woman's husband okay but then he flips into all the other men that she meets along the way okay prior to meeting him amazingly so with such quick changes as well and he's phenomenal yeah yeah <laughs> that's own collins own collins it? he's incredible like um so uh, we had we had a hard time trying to cast man because it was such a big task to ask so he had to be charming yeah. enough to not make these situations feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. um he had to do about seven accents i think um, some of them in the space of like three different accents in one minute. There's a point sing. where I, I'm trying to get him to get a particular character right. And he goes from American to RP British to like Cockney to like in, in three lines. Yeah. Um, and he had to be able to sing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and quite well. And then in the middle of it, we were like, by any chance do you play guitar? And he was like, oh, I play a little. <laughs> <laughs> and he then comes out and like plays this beautiful one song. of those really talented people <laughs> yeah you know? the fucking prick yeah. <laughs> um but he does it so so well and i i really think again without his skill and delia's skill as alexa and amy's skill and george's skill it was like everything came together that needed to come together to make that as good as it was um and it makes it much easier for me to say that it was fucking brilliant because it's not just my work and I know that it's not just me yeah. being cocky about my yeah. writing in that, but it's just that it was a phenomenal team that made a phenomenal show and it was really amazing to be a part of. Um, and again, the humour of Delia. Oh, and not to mention Oz. Sorry, I left out an actor. Oz played Headspace, but was only a voiceover. Okay. Um, but he was so good at doing Headspace that most people who know Headspace thought that we had just taken... Headspace is... Do you know what Headspace is? Uh, nope. So Headspace is a meditation app. Oh, is that what it oh, is? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I it's. Think, a, I, might, I think I used that actually for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, and my GP actually did recommend it to me, which is yeah. also lying on the play, um, and it didn't work. Um, but <laughs> I, I just didn't want to pay for it. Like, oh yeah, I, I did the one month free trial. Yeah, I got to like week here, two, like, and I was yeah. like, I'm done. I'm like, I couldn't be arsed paying um, for that. Sure, I'll just fucking like breathe. I'll breathe. just breathe co- over here. Co- co- <laughs> the breaths, walk. Sit yeah. down. Yeah. Sit in the old position, but anyway, yeah, go on. Um, but uh, Oz, who played Headspace, uh, uses Headspace daily and therefore can like become Headspace. It was quite creepy. Um, <laughs> so he pre-recorded that, and um, he came to see it, and he said it was the most fun experience to sit in the audience of a play you're actually in, oh, yeah. and just feel it all happening around you. And he'd never seen it all come together or anything. Um, but yeah, so a lot of people thought it actually was just that we had ripped the vocals off a headspace app yeah. Yeah. until headspace just got, starts to get angry in the scene and they were like that's not headspace <laughs> um but yeah he was again another phenomenal find for a show i guess yeah god now i just want to do it again well you should <laughs> mm. well like i hope you do tour with it or even bring it yeah. to next year to the festival or something like uh, that the festival probably won't they uh they don't tend not to repeat something okay um but I'm planning on touring it. I have this really big dream. And if I say it out loud, maybe it'll come true that I do a big city tour. So like the likes of Cork, maybe Dublin, Belfast, London, New York, Glasgow, like, Oh, that's wonderful. Hit it big time. Except to do that, I have to apply for funding from like five different places. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So I haven't figured out the logistics or the uh, venues or that yet, but um, I'm manifesting the shit out of that. Let's all manifest the shit out of that. Yeah. 
Um, we'll plug the shit out of it as well if you want. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, and I'd love. There's loads of other places in Ireland I'd love to go. Like, I think Limerick would be a great shout for it. Um, Sligo, I think would be another good one. Kilkenny. Uh, Kilkenny maybe. Um, Letterkenny maybe. They have the on green on. Um, yeah, I just I actually think that I mean there's there's definitely audiences out there for yeah, it. I think. Yeah. And we were really surprised at the scope with the audience. So we did put an age on it because there is a lot of sex in it. Okay. Um, no actual sex scenes, but a lot of talk of a sexual nature. And then the the sadness gets very sad. So I don't think anybody under the age of 16 really needs to see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the age, the upper age limit. Yeah. So like... It would it would range from like eighteen to like ninety five, and like they were having the best time, and I was constantly afraid I was going to offend somebody. Yeah, yeah. And um, somebody did walk one oh, night. Really? Somebody walked. Oh. Yeah, it was Ooh. right after the danger mouse scene, so we might yeah. have triggered something, which yeah. Yeah, um, fair is fair enough. Um, so one person walked, um, and a couple of people went to the loo and then couldn't get back in, and I felt really bad for them. And it was probably because it was booze beforehand, because um, bar was open. And it's always hard to hold your bladder for yeah. 75 minutes. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so I was just so surprised. And sometimes there'd just be these, like, really old guys that seem to have come on their own. And I I, I was able to see everybody. And I recognize a lot of people because I'm from Galway. And yeah. it's just, I know who most people are. Um, but there'd just be these random old men or old women. And they'd be laughing their asses yeah, off. Yeah. And I'm like, at what point are you going to think this is too much? Because I'm going to push it really far. <laughs> What do you mean about guy like a um, mature street? My thing, you know, people had sex before the late late. Show, I know, you know <laughs> yeah. So you have to be aware of that. You too. forget that though, <laughs> yeah. I think. And the sheer amount of the sex, because my parents were there as well. Um, that, yeah, like was that difficult for you? Uh, I wasn't sure like how it was going to go down. So, yeah. Like they they watched Lola and Panic, obviously. So yeah. Lola and Panic. The, the, opens with the nudity in the bathroom yeah. it also opens with me having a wank yeah oh well um, yeah. which i think went right over my mother's head i'm not sure <laughs> okay um <laughs> and my now husband francis had not um he'd only met my parents once i think or had he even met them and their one of their first meetings together was in the audience a little panic and he sat beside my dad and then my mother was on the other side oh, and i was naked in the bath and my mother <laughs> leans forward and taps him on the knee and goes who reared her <laughs> <laughs> so um they've oh, always been brilliant. quite liberal um, like when i when i asked and the reason i bring this back to little panic because i think this is what made it more comfortable for me to know i was going ahead to this was i asked my dad's permission this sounds so weird i asked my dad's permission to do a nude scene i didn't ask his permission i asked i wanted to broach it with him yeah because also this is his town and i was about to take all my clothes off of in, in front of a lot of people he knew yeah um and he said if this was game of thrones and you were getting paid loads of money you wouldn't even question it. Yeah. Which was one good point. And then he said, and I've seen your arse loads of times. It's just a bigger arse now. <laughs> 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 so that was my blessing on all of panic. So then I, I set them down and, and broached the subject that this is semi-autobiographical. And I, I think I scared them so much about what could possibly be in it that by the time they saw it, there was a lot of relief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it was all really, apart from the sad bits, it was all really positive. Okay, um, that's good. I never wanted to bash men. Yeah, cool. Um, and I've had such a good experience with men my whole life. It was kind of like a little love letter to most of them. Um, which my husband was also very aware of. And my <laughs> husband has read. And Booty Call Paul has read most of. Um, 
uh, only a few of the men got real names, and those are the ones that know that they're in it. Everybody okay. else was a pseudonym or pseudonym or nickname. Okay. Um, some were very still obvious as who they were, and when their friends were in the audience and they pegged who they were, it got very interesting. There was some very knowing wow. laughs at different points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, and again, because it's just small, intimate space, it's really clear as an actor. You can really hear that, yeah. and you can decipher the difference, and you can see where it's coming from, and, and that feeds me. It just gives me such energy. Oh yeah, and I just ride that wave all the way oh, home. Yeah, there's nothing like it, really. Yeah, like I, I find sometimes actors, and this is probably very different from musicians. Mm-hmm. I find sometimes actors don't want that, or, or don't enjoy it if they know where it's coming from. Yeah. Whereas I feel, I feel like I'm a bit more like a musician on that. I need that to come. Yeah, yeah. I always love when I hear like, like a like an actual voice that I know in the audience yeah. kind of shouting. I'm like, there you fucking are. Yeah. You know? It's like support. <laughs> it's like a warm little hug. Yeah. Um, and like even. Um, I've had friends apologize to me because they laughed really loudly when I was on stage and I'm like no please laugh loud <laughs> <laughs> laugh as loud as you possibly can because that feeds everyone else and it's like the cinema at Dark Knight it's, it builds the energy that the, the actors have no control over that energy yeah um, well they do to a certain extent they can feed into it but unless it's given back you know yeah um, it becomes something really powerful then I think Emer thank you so much I feel like you have to edit that lot. Talk to <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's what you want, like you know. Yeah, yeah. there's no cap on this. But um, thanks for so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks. You're very, very welcome. Very much enjoyed talking about myself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> quite a long time. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to it. Yeah, that was brilliant. You. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we hope you all the best with uh, success with the show, and hope it travels and goes as oh, far I'm as totally it can. Oh, I'm totally going to put in a plug before we stop. Is that all right? Oh, of course, oh, of course, yeah. yeah. So I'm also currently right. So I've written Tart. I'm currently on halfway through my third draft of my second play which is called Fat and I've started my third play which is called Wife so I do plan a full trilogy so (laughs) if you see any of those names well it's by the lady who brought you tart okay and is that so say wife because so they're not semi-autobiographical okay yeah so they will be fictional fictional stories I say I call it a trilogy just because it's three plays that have similar names yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's good enough for me I'll put them in one book yeah Um, but fat is about um, weight stigma essentially and it's based set in a world now I'm talking far too much I'll do this really quick Um, it's set in a uh, hyperbolic futuristic version of her own world not too far in the future okay where an obese bmi is illegal okay and once you hit it you are sent to a wellness camp for the common good of the world and you cannot be released from the wellness camp until you get to a healthy bmi wow um and then it gets darker but i won't spoil it all and then wife is about a man who finds a wife on a internet website called findmywife.com um, and he's looking for a very traditional wife who will cook and clean and, and look the part. And what he doesn't realise is that he's found a, um extreme feminist in disguise. Um, and she uh, works for years. She marries him and for years lives with him and plays on weaponised incompetence. I don't know if you've heard about this before. But like, no. Um, oh, baby, I couldn't possibly fill the dishwasher because you do it so much better than me. Ah, uh, all right. Um, that's called <laughs> weaponised incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and she feeds into this to the point that he is rendered completely incompetent and can no longer move or do anything for himself. Oh, wow. Um, 
but that's also taking a weird turn in the rising of it and it's going to a different place as well um, but so those are the three plays I plan on and that's having. in conjunction with Theatre 57 isn't it so Theatre 57 is like a go away collective of um, god theatre makers I guess and it was set up a couple of years ago in response to the lack of um, support and infrastructure for theatre particularly in the west um, Roisin Stack Maria Tivnan Sarah O'Toole Emma O'Grady um I'm I'm definitely going to forget names, but there's a lot of the founding members of it, um, and it was called Theatre Fifty Seven because it originally had fifty seven members, but I'm pretty sure it's over in the hundreds now. And uh, they do workshops and residencies and stuff like that, and they're they're fighting for a space so that people can actually have a rehearsal space because that was one of the biggest problems when you do anything in Galway. Yeah, actually finding a rehearsal space, uh, that doesn't even if you want, even if you could pay for it, I actually don't think there is many options, but um. And they help with a lot of things. and But one of the things I'm finding it very helpful for at the moment is um, the community of it. So if you have a question about funding, you put it up in the Slack that they've set up and, and you've got every artist, independent artist in Galway to come with, in with an answer yeah, really fast. Um, they're also brilliant audience members. Like It's like just building a proper, in, like a proper planned community. You just tell everybody everything and, it, yeah. you know, a spoken problem, I guess, is halved. That is not a phrase. I made that up. That is like three phrases put together. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, problem, problem shared is a problem solved. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I meant. Um, but yeah, so the, it's really helpful in that sense. And there's loads of work happening in the background that I wouldn't even be aware of that Theatre 57 board members are, are just trying to keep everything going. Yeah. And, um, trying to get more support down here, I think, and more funding options, and um, uh, they, I know that they have a five-year plan and like a strategic, they're working on a strategy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing. It was much needed, and is it's brilliant that it's been happening. Uh, COVID obviously slowed everything down. Um, but look, everything's picking back up now again. So that's also amazing. Sounds fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much, Emma, for coming You're in. You're very yeah. welcome. Thank now we'll we do that second goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that happens all the time. It's a traditional yeah. Irish second goodbye, you know. Yeah. yeah, and then one of us will just leave without saying anything. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, thank you very much for having me. It was really lovely. No problem. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Good luck, lad. Good luck, Richie.